Hello, I'm Kristen Mahler, Senior Vice President of JPR, and this is Priority Status. On this episode of Five Questions With, I have the privilege to speak with Mary Bemis, a pioneering journalist and an advocate for all things spa. I met Mary years ago when I was fairly new in my PR career, and she's someone I've been lucky enough to travel with and work on many stories with over the years. Mary is one of the OG spa writers. From early on in her career, she was reshaping how people looked at spa journalism and how people learned about spa culture and the benefits of treatments. Because of her passion and curiosity, Mary quickly became one of the most well-recognized authorities on spa and wellness. In 1997, she launched American Spa Magazine. In 2007, she co-founded Organic Spa Magazine. And in between serving on the iSpa and New York Spa Board of Directors, she was on the launch teams of Luxury Spa Finder and New Beauty Magazines. She's a founding board member and symposium chair emeritus of the Washington Spa Alliance. Mary has visited and written about thousands of spas in her career, and she has worked to build awareness for the industry that she loves so much through her leadership and mentoring. Listen in as Mary shares how she got her start in spa journalism, what she sees as the best, and in some cases, most underrated spa treatments to book, how retro spa experiences are re-emerging in today's landscape, and what are some of her most favorite spas in the world to visit. Let's dive in. you. Thank you so much for joining us on Priority Status today. Our listeners, um, Mary Bemis is the trusted expert, the original expert of spas. Um, I've known her for many, many years, and I've had the privilege to work with her on many different stories for my clients over the past two decades of working in PR, which is crazy to say, but, um, and also traveled with Mary. And one of my favorite spa um, trips experiences that I've had with Mary was to Salamander Resort in Virginia, just after it opened, actually, Mary, I think we were there 2012, or I can't remember now, but Thank you so much for being here. We're thrilled to have you. I'd love for you to give a little bit of background about yourself and your work and what you're up to now for our listeners. Okay. Well, hello. And Kristen, thanks for having me on. I think this may be my very first podcast as a guest. So it's exciting for me. Amazing. And I love talking about spas and we do indeed go way, way back. I actually found an email because I keep everything. I shouldn't, but I do. I found an email from 2008 when you were working with Jennifer Hawkins PR and you were repping a beautiful spa that had just opened the Dolder Grand in Zurich. Oh my gosh. I remember that Mary actually. And I feel like I had an inter, I had you interview Sylvia Seppielli who designed that spa. And it was just like one of my like big career moments. I, I think I just remember that happening. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mary Bemis is going to interview Sylvia. She's going to write about the Dolder. This is so big. Because you're the original spa journalist. I think that that's something for our listeners to understand is that you are the first person to really write about spas as an industry and and beyond beauty. Well, it's been a wild ride. And you know, I started out, You have, it's hard to focus in on where did you begin in the whole thing. But just as a back background, I really got into spas as a really a path to health. And I think the spa lifestyle at its finest really teaches. 
health. But I grew up, I was very influenced by my mother. And I'll, I'll wrap this up in a nutshell. But she had polio at 18 months old. And she was the, I believe, the only child to walk out of her hospital ward in New York City without a brace on her leg. And that was because my grandmother used to go into the hospital. She was in the hospital for a long time. She would massage her legs every day, come to the hospital, massage her legs, bring her oranges, apples, fresh fruit, fresh food. So I was raised with what I call the fundamentals of spa, which I'll get into a little bit later. But, you know, this had a tremendous impact on me because my mother did walk with a limp. I was very aware of what my body could do, what her body could do. I just had a real appreciation of all of that, things that are very much in the consumer's eye today, eating well, moving, you know, all of these things that have become, we've shined a, or shown a bigger spotlight on since COVID, right? Everybody's into self-care. And, you know, I grew up with a mother who, I grew up on a Mediterranean diet. I was put into modern dance classes when I was two and a half years old because I copied the way she walked. I started walking with a limp. So anyway, this is all to say <laughs> that I had a very good understanding and a hyper-awareness of my body in the world which may sound a little weird, but it all goes into the spa world. I have a, believe it or not, I don't know if many people know this, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in poetry. And I started out in publishing. I loved magazines because they were a lot like poetry reviews to me. They were monthly, you work on a project. And I started my magazine career in what we used to call preventive health and beauty, which morphed into, guess what, spa. And I used to do a lot of healthy food magazines for Women's Day. I did a lot of different beauty, blah, blah, blah. That was a long time ago. But around 1997, a little magazine called American Spa was launched. And it's interesting to note that launched out of American Salon Magazine, which was over 100 years old at the time. And we started with 3,000 day spas that had subscribed to American Salon because at the time, in the late 90s, there was beginning to be an emphasis on, you know, day spas were huge. And it was a really fun time to report on this, to define the industry. It was a fun time. It was like the Wild West of spa. And at that time, you know, people did not, people as in business advertisers, they did not believe that spa would ever really amount to anything because salons were doing such a boom business. But, you know, day spas really drove the market back then. So anyway, that's kind of how it all started. It's so interesting that you talk about your experience as a child and your environment as a child and how that shaped really your path where you landed with your career because it's sort of like it was innately in you and it was and they say nowadays that it's often the things that you gravitate to that you did as a child that you come back to that you should look at doing as an adult for your career. So it's just so interesting that that was like part of your, your lifestyle and it was very natural to you. The piece about American Spa too in like the late 90s, yes, salons and, and day spas and everything. And I remember when I first started out my PR career, I had a couple of clients that had spas and it was sort of like, well, it's kind of like nice to have, like it wasn't like as big of a thing. Like they kind of looked at it as like, oh, we'll have a couple of massages. Maybe we'll do a hair, you know, hairdo or something like that. But it wasn't really a big deal. And I thought as a few years into it, it became more and more of a deal big deal. But you've always been one of the most trusted experts in spa and wellness. And you got your start with American Spa. You built up that magazine. 
you know, you moved on from that, obviously, and, and have done so many other things. But what would you say, what kinds of spawn wellness practices are you seeing rise in popularity today? I mean, there's a lot now. I mean, there you can you could do anything really for wellness, but there's also a big rise of the element of retro and pop culture. And I say, I think that that's also being pulled into the spa experiences. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that in your wellness, what you're seeing in wellness practices and spa and what's popular now. Well, I love the word retro. I love your question. It's fabulous. Nobody's ever asked me that. So I'd like to start there and then go go back and then go forward. So if you go retro, you know, we said late 90s, what was happening back then is really interesting to me because it's all, it's happening again. So one of the big trends back in the day, retro, was something we used to call social spying. Social spying was huge. At the time, I mean, there were, let's say, relaxation areas or communal areas in spas that were being designed where people could come, soak your feet in something. I mean, sit around a pool. Social spying was huge. People were actually having business meetings in spas. They were having lunch meetings in spas. Girlfriend getaways. I mean, this was really, really big. Spa became a social, a place to socialize. Well, guess what? It's 2023. What is this big crate? What are we seeing now? We're seeing a huge return to the water, right? To bathhouses, urban bathhouses. I mean, more and more of these things are popping up everywhere. There's mostly in Europe and actually here, people are restoring old bathhouses. And what is that all about? What's driving that? What we call community, right? It's social spying. It's a desire to be together, to belong to something. It's a, you hear the word community a lot. And this is something that I've been, I've been pondering a lot lately. So hence, I love your question. Another big trend back in the day of retro was customization, personalization. This was like a big aha light bulb. And it mostly, in be- you know, a lot with both beauty and body treatments. How could you really tailor a treatment around the guest, client, customers, you know, what they really needed? And a lot of time people don't even know what they need. They just go into this beautiful space and, you know, experience what the therapist will put together for them. Anyway, that started back in the late 90s, this whole customization, personalization bit. Also... What started to appear, and I referenced it before because American Spa really did start, there was this growing interest in naturals, you know, natural treatments. And so naturals and indigenous treatments were, were, were really big back then. They were starting to bubble up. And well, we know what, I mean, indigenous rolls off everybody's tongue right now, right? And everybody's into, you know, natural, organic, this, that, the other thing. It's so interesting to hear you say that because- it is true. All these things that were sort of the original, you know, essence of spa culture when it started to become a thing more than just day spas and resort spas in the late nineties is actually the real basis of everything right now. Everybody's offering a treatment that's local and indigenous to them. And why would you want to go there and do that? And I, I a hundred percent agree with you about the community experience. I'm actually going to a Scandinavian spa just North of Toronto over this weekend with friends. And that's like something I'm really looking forward to because like, we're going to get to hang out and spend time together. You're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Mary, you've written up about spas. You've had probably a million spa treatments. You've been all over the world to different spas. What are some of your sort of trusted wellness practices or favorite spa experiences that you have personally? There are actually quite a lot of them and some of them aren't so popular and I really wish that they would be. I love treatments that actually really deliver. I mean, that may sound simple or simplistic, but I love treatments that actually leave you feeling better, looking better, if that's a thing, but just treatments that deliver. And they're not, they're not all that easy to find. I hate to say that, but it's true. So some of the treatments I always look for on a menu that I wish would come back, manual lymphatic drainage, otherwise known as MLD. It's a fabulous treatment. And for those listeners who are interested, you know, there's a, a woman who teaches them, who she's taught it. She's montage and just a lot of different spa property brands have brought her on to train. But anyway, it's called Aztec. If you're interested in true MLD treatments, which are fabulous for you, you should look for something called Aztec, A-S-T-E-C-C, Certified Therapist. She has a website. You can go on and find a therapist that is certified in this. And I would suggest, you know, if you're truly interested in massage and massage that actually does something really, really good for you, that's a little tip for me. The other thing I love that I, I don't see on menus anymore, at least in the U.S., is shiatsu. You know, the Japanese method of acupressure, to put it simply, and a good stomach massage. Americans do not like to have their bellies touched, but a true stomach massage is so good for you. And especially now with everybody having gut problems and we're seeing how important the gut is to our mental health and to this and that and the other thing, I want to see stomach massages on every every spa menu. The first one I ever had, the real first one I ever had, years and years ago at Chibasone, it was just eye-opening. It was amazing. The last one I had was in January. It was a part of a signature treatment at the new Amman Spa in New York City. And I was so surprised. She, most therapists in the U.S. will ask you, a lot of them won't, but if you would like to have your stomach. And I always say, yes, go for it, you know, happily. But this woman knew what she was doing. And I was really, really happy to, this was just in January, as I said, to learn that this was a part of the Amon Spa's therapy. It was fabulous. And let's see here, Vichy showers. I love a good old-fashioned Vichy shower. They were being ripped out of spas many moons ago. I would like to see them come back because I, I believe in the, you know, they're very relaxing and they do all kinds of things, improve blood circulation, blah, blah, blah. But it's a classic therapy that I, I would like to see more of. And on that note, hydrotherapy as well. I would like to see hydrotherapy tubs used, you know, more therapeutically. And that, but that goes back to training and what, what we do in this country and how we train and da, 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 da. So those are some of my favorite things because, as I said, I don't like the fluff and buff. And I think there still is a lot of fluff in the industry. So those are some of the things that I love. You know, it's interesting that you say that, that there's a lot of fluff because, you know, the spa industry really started out as being to help people. It was therapeutic, like you said, like that, that's really where it started from. And there's been a lot of it that strayed away from that. The comment about that you made about the stomach massage, I completely agree with you because the first spa treatment I had abroad was in Switzerland and 
I was really thrown off when the spa therapist started massaging my stomach. I didn't know what to do because it had never been asked of me or never been addressed in the US. And I kind of freaked out a little bit because I didn't know. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, actually, that kind of felt good. But it makes so much sense to pay attention to that area of your body. If you're having digestive problems or if you need, you know, it can feel a little strange because it's not typically something that people talk about in Western culture, but it hundred percent should be addressed. This makes me wonder these practices, I guess that these would all fall under like some of the things that you say are underrated or are there other spa treatments that you say would be secretly like the best ones to book? Those are the ones, right? Oh yeah. MLD, manual, manual lymphatic drainage, shiatsu, a good stomach massage, Vichy shower, and hydrotherapy. Yeah, those are absolutely my favorite. And a good facial is always wonderful. Of course. Yeah. Would you have any facials that you particularly love? Like any product lines that you look for, that you're excited about when you visit a spa that you like to try? A hard question. And I don't want to pick favorites, but I will say <laughs> that I had the best facial of my life recently. And that's saying a lot. I mean, it really said, I've had a lot of facials in my day. This Italian fellow, Simone, just opened shop in Soho in New York. And boy, he's amazing. You can find him at, you know, I think he's had a couple of different Four Seasons in Florida. And well, he's all over the place, a clinic in London. He's, he's global, but this guy is amazing. I've never experienced anything like it. So he has his own product line. What's his name? Pietro Simone. Pietro Simone. And he is really, boy, he is doing some really interesting things. He's combining technology, which those who know me know I'm not a huge, I, I'm not a big fan of going totally tech with his amazing, his hands should be insured, as I told him. But anyway, <laughs> highly recommend. We'll add that to the episode notes for anybody who's looking up for that. Speaking of tech, you know, want to know what else I did recently? Yes. I had a massage by a robot. No way. <laughs> Where was that? I didn't call it a robot because it's a, it's, it is a, it's AI. It's a table with arms and it's really, really, really interesting. A company named Escape is creating this product for the spa market. And at the time, it was like February, early February, I think. It could only do the back and glutes, and now it can do from neck to toe, I guess. It's fascinating. It's AI. You know, it's here, as we all know. I went with a very open mind. It's a great group of people who are working on this, and they're one of three companies that I know that are doing this, but this is the one I tried. This is the one out of New York, and... I felt better. It was a 10, it was about 10 minutes, but I was definitely a very strange experience because you're not, you know, you're not used to this. I have very, very mixed feelings about it and the future of it. They are very well-meaning in that there are benefits to it. Like, you know, a lot of people don't like to disrobe. You keep your clothes on, you have to wear a compression and leggings, it will hopefully, they believe, solve or help solve the shortage of massage therapists. You know, this is a crisis in this country and just lots of other things. But this is, it was very interesting. I'm still scratching my head a bit. I would like, of course, we all want to see where this sort of thing goes. But 
I'm very curious to see how it will disrupt our industry. And it absolutely will. You know, will it ever take the place of the human therapist and human touch? No. But will it deliver a robotic massage that makes you feel better? Yeah. It's fascinating. So I've been up to all kinds of wacky things these days. I was really not expecting you to say that, Mary, but that sounds, I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways that that's the direction that the industry would go. But I feel like the, a lot of it is also the spa therapist that you get, the, the masseuse that you have is, has to have some intuition about what your body needs when they're, you know, they're working on you. So it's interesting to see how that would play out for sort of an AI component. I don't know. I mean, I could see it being helpful in some ways, but in a lot of ways, I would still want to pay for the real thing. Yeah. It's a compliment to what is already being offered. I like to look at it like that, that it complements what is being offered. And, you know, for the therapists themselves who need work done on them, it could be a good thing for that. You know, it's a no brainer for sports teams and things like that. You know, let's see how it fits into the spa world, the spa model. It's new. Let's see what happens. I'm going to be opt- cautiously optimistic. <laughs> so what would you say would be something that would benefit most people from an everyday wellness practice? You know, somebody that's maybe not, not into massage, like obviously that's not accessible for everybody during, you know, every day, but is there something that you feel like most people would benefit from in layering into their everyday routine? Absolutely. And it's something that I personally struggle with and I'm, I, I don't do very well with it, believe it or not, but um, it's breath work. I think everybody should practice or know how to practice some form of breath work. And there are lots of different forms out there. Find one that works for you because these are not easy times. We live in very, very challenging times. And what isn't it National Stress Awareness Month, I think? It's also National Poetry Month. (laughs) You know, we all need to learn how to deal with whatever levels of stress, anxiety, depression, whatever. I mean, I don't want to be a bummer or sound, you know, but that I think is the best gift you could give yourself in my realm, in the wellness spa realm, is find a good breathwork practice and do it, period. That's really great advice. And as I said, I'm not very good at it. I've been doing all, you know, (laughs) right nostril, you know, alternate nostril, belly breathing, counting. I fail. I mean, I try, I keep trying, but I think it's the best takeaway. Yeah. I think that that's really true. There's a lot of studies that show that, you know, just breathing can really help breathing through something. I mean, I, I tell it to my four-year-old daughter all the time, let's take a deep breath. I know when she's feeling anxious or she's feeling stressed and it, I mean, it's hard to get a four-year-old to listen to anything, but when she does, you can feel it. You can feel her body relax. And me too, I go through it as well. It's not a very by the book breath work practice, but I think breathing and being intentional about, about it can certainly help people. So that's a really good thing to share. Where is your favorite place to travel? You've been all over the world. You've probably gone to almost every resort spa there is, all of the ones worth mentioning. I can't, I'm so excited to hear that you've been to the Amman in New York already. And we'll have to talk about that more offline because I want to know more about that hotel. Where do you love to travel? I can't pick a place. I mean, I always 
whenever anybody asks me that, I would always say, I love Mexico. I've always been drawn to Mexico. I have a soft spot for Mexico. But personally, I'm concentrating now more on the United States, what's in the States. And, you know, this is what I'm working on now. But I'll tell you where I think some very strong properties are that I think are worth going to and that I would return to. I just came back recently in the actually last late fall from Pradelhof in South Tyrol, P-R-E-I-D-L-H-O-F. Run, don't walk. This place, it's you can use the word retro because it's a classic European spa, but it is also offering the best retreat offerings I have ever been to, I've ever experienced. The team of healers, for lack of a better word, the team of therapists are amazing. I've never experienced a team, a staff, a team that has worked so in sync. Amazing. The therapy is the whole thing. So if you're looking, those are looking for a true transformative retreat, Pradelhof. Pradelhof in South Tyrol. Another Pradelhof. Yep. Amazing. And a few other places that are really just, I want to say iconic, that just really represent the best of spa and wellness. The Retreat Costa Rica. It's a beautiful little boutique property. These are places that really, really deliver. Of course, where I've gone more than any other place in my life is Rancho La Puerta. That's an iconic Six Senses Vana it used to be just Vana, as you know. It's Six Senses Vana in India. Um, these are places that offer a well-rounded experience. A true, these are true healing properties. They have it all. They've got the therapists. They have the treatments. They have the environment. They have the cuisine. We didn't touch on cuisine, and I think that that's another thing that doesn't get much attention, but. I used to write I, a long time ago. I well, my background was, was in healthy food, and when American Spa first launched, I had a spa cuisine column. I don't think we're paying enough attention to that anymore. I don't think that spas are getting enough press with their cuisines. There's a lot of, and people are really interested in eating better now, right? I mean, you see recipes everywhere, this, that, and the other mm-hmm. thing. I think more than ever. Yes. So I would like to see, and we, I'm doing a bit of it with insiders, but I would like to see more press given to really great spa cuisine, spa food. I mean, I feel like there's a whole deep dive we could do, we could have on healthy cuisine. I mean, spa cuisine has certainly evolved over the years. And I don't think that it's necessarily what people think it is now. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier about the talent, about talent at spas. And you sort of mentioned this in the reference to the AI massage that you had. So it's interesting because it's not a career. It seems to not be a career that a lot of people are choosing or a lot of people are being exposed to. And I mean, it seems like that's probably directly related in terms of how people live their lives in the U.S. It's not a very health-focused culture. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's looking to start their journey in wellness? Or what what would you say to people who might be interested but not really sure how to get there? That's an interesting question. Maybe a two or three prong question. Yeah, there's a lot there. I know that the International Spa Association, iSpa, has some really wonderful initiatives and job fairs. And they've been working very hard at promoting 
the spa as a career. They're doing a really good job, but it's tough. I mean, it's also what part of, you know, there's a lot to it. Do you want to go into the spa therapy end of things? Do you want to be, you know, go into the hospitality end of things? Personally, I wish there were more female GMs, but um, that's another thing. (laughs) My advice for those who wanted to get into the industry and really make a career of it would be to get certified in some modality or practice like massage or meditation or yoga. So you always have something to teach no matter where you go. I mean, that that may sound weird, but it also gives you a deeper understanding industry you're getting into. Speaking of general managers, there was a fat, she's alive still, she's a fabulous woman, Deborah Evans, who used to be, she was, she put Lake Austin on the map. She was the general manager at Red Mountain. She is a very interesting woman. What she did back in the day as a general manager was put herself through massage school. She wanted to know what it was like from the therapist's end, from that end. And I think that there's a reason why she did so well in her career. And the other piece of advice I would give is to find a mentor, you know, find somebody, call iSpa or call, you know, a region, you know, there are wonderful regional spa groups all over the States and Florida, you know, Colorado, find a mentor in, you know, whichever piece of the industry one wants to get into or pursue you know, I think that's a great thing to do because there are a lot of people in the industry who are willing to help. You know, I'm one of them. Mentoring has given me so much through the years. I love mentoring. And I think that people don't realize that you can, you know, it's not so hard to reach out to people. If somebody, one person does try somebody else, you know, we need people. And that's a fact. Well, it's certainly an industry that's sort of rooted in that. It's helping others. So I think that it's a very good place to start in figuring out who who you want to emulate and how you want to learn from them. And that's really what the basis of spa is, is teaching and helping people live live their best lives, really. I mean, creating a better sense of well-being. So what are you up to now? You've been in the spa journalism world. You started it really, I mean, in in the late 90s. And you've been an influential voice in wellness throughout your career. And you how now you have Insider's Guide to Spas and you're you're on boards, you're you're doing so many different things. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and um sort of something that you're looking forward to in 2023? Well, I told you I did the robot, the you know <laughs> my whole thing. Now, after all these years, it always has been, but really is promoting spa culture, you know, keeping spa culture mm-hmm. at the forefront of health and well-being. The word spa has sort of a forgotten word. You know, you may think that's odd, but spa was pushed aside for wellness, which was pushed aside for well-being, which was pushed aside for this, that, and the other thing. And I call myself a spa purist. And, you know, what brings me joy is educating the consumer, you know, really explaining what the spas are about. And at the same time, being able to go back to the industry and explain to them what the consumer is about. So, you know, that's an unusual position for a, if you want to call me a journalist, a writer, an editor, that's an unusual perch to have. But it's one that I that's kept me busy and one that I really love. And 
I've worked very hard through the decades to essentially keep things real. You know, I've been accused of keeping the spa industry honest, you know, just <laughs> have a responsibility. They really do. They, they have a responsibility to their guests, to the consumer. And I guess I'm doing in a way what I've always done in that respect, but I'm having a lot of fun. Kristen, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm fine, you know, always on the lookout for retreats and things like that. So lots of things. Well, some of the intel that you've shared with our listeners today is so valuable. And um, your perspective on the spa and wellness industry is certainly one that holds a lot of weight. We are so thrilled that you were able to join us today and share with our listeners about your experience and your favorite spa treatments and practices. And I don't know. I mean, is there anything else that you that we didn't touch on? I feel like we talked about so much. And I feel like, honestly, we could do a whole deep dive on spa cuisine. I would love to talk more about that with you. I would also really love to talk more about Ayurveda and how you feel about that. I know that that wasn't on some of the questions that I shared with you before this, but now thinking about when you mentioned Vana, I suddenly brought me back to that and how that whole practice of spa is in a whole different category, but it's something that I feel like is is really not addressed at all in Western culture. And it's so important to some of those practices. That's a whole conversation for another time because I don't think <laughs> very careful. I don't think we could get into it now. We can't get into it now, but it's been such a pleasure, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, I'm always happy to talk about spas and it's been very enjoyable. You, you ask great questions. Thank you so much, Mary. And for our listeners, I'll make sure to have all of the notes from Mary's recommendations in our podcast notes. So you'll have to take a look. And I just want to thank you again so much, Mary, for joining us today. And we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Take care. 